Okay, round two. Name something that's not boring. A laundry? Ooh, a book club. Computer solitaire, huh? Ah, oh, sorry. We were looking for Chumba Casino. That's right. Chumbacasino.com has over 100 casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. Chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. Over and by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Lock Talk Radio. Mama's Pearls. I am your hostess, Cynthia, and here at Mama's Pearls, we like to say that we take the most beautiful pieces of life and string them together. Sometimes those little pieces are such fleeting moments, and we are trying to capture them and interpret the meaning of them as well. So what we basically do here at Mama's Pearls is we are like a family brand series and we start our conversations out on usually on Facebook in the beginning of the week. Then I post um, the Mama's Pearls blog on Tuesdays and that can be found at www.mamaspearls.com. Then we have our lovely show on Blog Talk Radio on Wednesdays and then my best friend Melissa and co-hostess who sadly will not be joining us today post her blog, M Gems, on Friday, which is an amazing wrap-up of all that we've talked about during the week, as well as giving you some practical tips to take into your home and, and into your daily lives. The, um, the last few weeks have been rather intense here at Mama's Pearls. We've talked about um, going back to school and, and the issues that we all face with our children as they head back into the school system um, and what what happens when your child has special needs, what do you do then, um, what services are available to you. And then last week we talked about, um, you know, which strung together perfectly with our strengths, but um, the string of shows that we've been doing, however, it's really been a topic that's been covered in the news a whole bunch with um, with the news, unfortunate news of Tyler Clemente, and that is the whole world of child bullying. And both Melissa and I focused on it last week, and when we kind of dove into it, we just realized how how huge the area is, and we really wanted to be as respectful as all sides of it. Um, the it, it's in, what's interesting for me, and just kind of from the from the um, behind the scenes view of what happens, like with the blog and like the traffic, is um, usually we get a ton of comments and a ton of feedback. And after we sent the blogs out last week, like it was really really quiet. However, I sent it also to Modern Mom, who posted it. If you don't know Modern Mom, it's for Clark. Brooke Burke's website, and she republished um, my article on child bullying, and we'll also be doing M. Shem's article on it, and they're getting a ton of responses. Um, and it could be because our show last week was so super intense. I mean, it, it's taken me a better part of the week just to recover from it, and um, we, I was really 
fortunate to have um, Kirk Smalley, who was our guest last week. The show's name was Bullseye, and the pearl of the week was My Name is Rudolph. And basically, you know, when you're a kid and, and even as an adult, when we're trying to fit in and live our daily lives and be accepted by who we are, you know, for who we are, and when people see our faults, um, you know, you, you have options when you're the person viewing the faults in another. You have options about how to handle it, whether you recognize it, whether you ignore it, whether you recognize it and go for it and, you know, and exploit that weakness. Um, which I think is like an undercurrent of most bullying. And I think that there's, um, you know, there's a huge huge array of what happens, and I think there's a a real slippery slope about categorizing everybody who says a bad thing as a bully. So, you know, what is it, what's the difference really between, um, between somebody who says something stupid to somebody else that hurts their feelings versus, you know, I mean, I kind of see child, you know, as somebody as a bully who has, like, persistent need to prey upon another person and exploit their weakness and put them down and, you know, be nasty. Um, but unfortunately, bullying can and does take it to extremes. And both, you know, in Melissa and I's blog last week, we talked about our own personal experiences on both sides, you know, as a, as a target and as a... Um, and also as a bully, I mean, I've said some pretty mean things in the past that I regret. And, um, you know, and Kirk Smalley came on, and unfortunately his life took a dramatic turn when his young son, Ty, who was 11 years old, um, was in school, was a victim of bullying, and took it to the extreme of actually taking his own life. So last week was so super intense, um, and we had we had Kirk on for well over an hour just kind of going through all, through his feelings, telling us what he's doing to try and, and help raise awareness um, about bullying and to, to help stop it. But we didn't get a chance to talk to another special guest who, who I'm, I'm very grateful has called back into the show today um, to talk a little bit more about the not the brighter side, but what people are doing out there in order to um, to combat and inspire people and um, and help really raise awareness and bringing it into the schools. And our guest name is Mike Bogdansky, and he is the champion of the anti-bully. And from what I know, that um, Mike was also a victim of violence as a teenager and, um, you know, took him through through the dovetail of and the spiral of experiencing low self-esteem and and not feeling like he was worthy and having um, post-traumatic stress about it. And he since became a martial arts master and and actually achieved the level of a black belt. And now he basically goes around... he goes around to different schools and does a, a program called the Anti-Bully Program. So, Mike, are you with us today? I am, Cynthia. How are you? I'm wonderful. Thank you so much for, for coming back on the show. I, I felt really bad we couldn't get to you last week, and I really wanted to hear um, hear what you had to say as far as giving giving a glimmer of hope to people who feel like no. so, that their children are so victimized. So uh, first, I'm, you know, I, I wanted to be on the air with you last week, but I thought Mr. Smalley had a very powerful message, and it was great that you had him on. The more people hear that message, the better we'll be uh, prepared, you know, to deal with bullies. Um, the, you know, bullying is an international epidemic, and it's been going on for years, and, you know, a lot of people only remember that it's 
around when we have these deep tragedies. But it's happening every day, and our average number of, of absentees in school are 160,000 kids every day will skip school because they're afraid of bullies. And, you know, you can't learn when you're afraid. You know, and, and my program is, is actually entitled Hero because I'm trying to create everyday heroes. You don't need to be Spider-Man, Batman, or Superman to be an every, everyday kind of hero. And HERO is an acronym for Help Everyone Respect Others. And it's all about teaching kids to be more respectful to each other. Right. That I think that's the ultimate core. And it's, um, you know, having respect for other people can only really happen when people respect themselves and know that from themselves in their immediate environment. So, you know, the work that, you, that you're doing as far as raising that awareness and level of respect is so is so critical because when you when you ultimately have that and you see the love and the light in in yourself and another person, it's really hard to want to go up, go after and and tear that apart. You know, we learn to then celebrate that that love and light. My, my assembly really has uh, three different focuses in the bully triad. I'd like to be able to teach the bullies what they're doing is very hurtful because a lot of them are. Right don't feel empathy for people, and so they need to learn empathy. Um, the people, the kids that are being targeted, uh, they're being victimized, need to learn to t- turn from hate to hope, that there is hope, and it's happened to so many people. You know, if I tell you the, the, the movie stars, uh, Robert Pattinson, Uma Thurman, Tom Cruise, even the famous uh, mixed martial arts fighter, George St. Pierre, turned into martial arts because he was bullied as a kid. And, but really, my main focus is to turn the bystanders not to, like, passive bystanders, but active bystanders to try to take action. And there's a, a study a couple of years ago from Canada that if uh, people kids stick up for other kids and just say, stop, it's enough, back away, that within 10 seconds, bullying stops. Well, what do you, what do you think is the holdup? I'm sorry, say it again? What do you think is the holdup? Why, why don't more kids or people step in? Kids are afraid. Part of it is... They think it's funny. They don't see the sorrows and the lifetime hurt that it makes it accomplishes. Um, I think kids are also worried that the bully might turn on them, and they'll become the target, and so they're afraid. And so, you know, I, I just need to let kids have the responsibility and the courage. You know, one of the key concepts is teaching courage, that courage is having a little fear but being able to take action anyway, and that they can stand up for the bullies because really, you know, it, what's, what's worse, to stand up, and maybe have the bully turn on you or not say anything and have that person be targeted and victimized. And then really the bystanders are affected very powerfully emotionally and by watching that happen because it makes them feel really hurtful inside too. Especially I think they feel guilt that they're letting it go when they really kind of want to stick up for kids. Right. Now, do you work with teachers and school professionals as well? I do. I do. And... Uh, you know, the, the whole industry, I've been doing this about eight years now, uh, teaching uh, about bullying. I started out in middle schools. Then I uh, got drafted into the elementary schools because we need to teach younger kids before they get to middle school where the problem is wor- the worst, that in elementary school the bullying is still going on, but they need to know the issues before they, it's too late. And now right. more and more, uh, yeah, one of the biggest components now is to create a school-wide anti-bully and a hero focus that every teacher, custodian, bus driver, uh, school monitor is involved in fighting bullying, just being aware that it's going on. Because schools that 
have an anti-bully focus, that have an anti-bully uh, um, um, idea that they're going to have culture, they're going to have lower incidences of bullying if the whole school is involved. Right. I mean, because that's, that's been some of the great feedback that I've gotten from my friends and my listeners has been that, um, you know, even in private schools where you're paying out of pocket to send your kids, I, you know, some parents have had to pull their children because it's still going, it's still going on there. Like, there's really no place that seems, that seems safe or where it's not an issue. And even when you move out of schools, you know, and like I was talking a little bit last week, and I don't want to go back too into it now because I, I want to, um, I do want to switch gears a little bit and, and get happy this week. But, um, but the thing is, is that our playground and our schools only morph where how we morph and grow as we become adults. You know, we we're still facing bullies all around, all around in our in our society. And um, but I think when you, if you instill it from such an early age and in the school system that you know, kids will be less likely to, to grow up as ha- having bully tendencies, if you will. I'd like to see more and more schools reward good behavior, create everyday kind of heroes. And like one of the schools I was in um, just a few days, last Friday, um, they, they're using a program called uh, Paw Prints. Because like if you, they, they're, they have an animal mascot, they have some paw prints in the lobby like showing the, the, the animal walking through, but they have little cardboard cut, cutouts. And when teachers see kids right. creating random acts of kindness, they reward them with a, uh, in front of kids, because that's what better way to do it, reward them with a cardboard paw print, and they write their name and address on it, and they put it in a raffle. And every month they're doing a drawing for different prizes. And so kids are just, working very hard to have really good acts of kindness. And they're being rewarded yeah. rather, than, rather than catching kids doing something wrong, we're going to be proactive and, and, and reward the behaviors we do want to see. Exactly. And I think, you know, any type of rewards that we give, um, and we talked a little bit with, with Kirk last week about um, kind of the negative reinforcement that we get into as far as, feeling that we have to combat bullying with punishing bullies. And I think that the program that, that you have in place as far as rewarding good behavior and focusing on um, the deep core value of respect is so, is so key, really, and that's the only way to truly unlock it is, is to do it with kindness and not with an iron fist. Because honestly, because we have such a, a crime and punishment type of society, I feel like that just led to the to part of like the systemic reason why we do have such bullies. Right. Um, I, I would love I'd love to see teachers and staff become good finders. You know, too many times like especially when you're an adult and when you hear from your boss, it's usually when you're getting heck because you did something wrong. Versus right. the possibility that you can, you know, always when you do a good job, you get recognized and rewarded for that. And kids, you know, positive reinforcement. My, my, uh, my bachelor's degree is in psychology. I rather positively reinforce behaviors rather than negatively reinforce reinforce the behaviors I don't want to see. Right. And here's a positive right. spin. You know, we always want to develop in a positive manner. Right. Great. That is so perfect. So, can you tell everybody where to find you? Sure. Um, it's mikebogdanski.com. Uh, Mike and Bogdanski is B-O-G-D-A-N-S-K-I. Um, I travel all over the country, and I've even done, been in Canada doing my anti-bully message. It's called HERO, and it stands for Help Everyone Respect Others. 
And the whole concept is focusing on character values, respect, responsibility, courage to take action, and be able to teach kids they, they become an everyday kind of hero, just like a, a policeman or a fire, a fire, fire prevention specialist. You know, they don't need to have a, a cape and a big red S on their chest to have those attributes, <laughs> but they just need to be, you know, responsible enough to stand up. Uh, if kids saw someone robbing a bank, they'd write down the license plate. And we need to, need to teach kids that they're witnesses to crimes or to atrocities of bullying, and that needs to be responsible. They're not consider themselves tattletales, because that's the wrong message. You know, when, when kids are being victimized, you know, when, when part of bullying is when there's an inequality of power, you know, kids are going to have normal conflict. They're brother and sister arguing. But when one kid is victimized, one of the students is victimized by the other because of that inequality, they need to step up. And if they're too afraid to be able to take action to speak up, they need to tell a trusted adult. And every child should have a trusted adult in their life. Right. So my right. Number and, that, is, uh, and that's key. That's so key for, for parents just to hear um, as far as keeping open lines of communications open and also... Um, you know, figuring out and going and looking for resources about best ways to talk to your ch- children about um, bullying and to, to know the signs even if, if they are being bullied and to know that, that they can bring it home. They can tell you without, without being, being punished. Oh, definitely. Because, yeah, you know, really when it comes especially to that big topic now is cyberbullying, you know, a, a lot of right. kids are, are just apprehensive that they're going to be punished, lose their computer, lose their link to the world when they tell their parents, you know, say, well, they're going to say, no more internet, no more cell phone, and, you know, we're a connected society. And, but, you know, they wouldn't let strangers into their kids' bedrooms, but parents are leaving their kids to use their computer hour after hour, and, and, but they just need to have a build trust in that relationship between parent and child. It's so important that they talk right. about it when they see something going on, to point out an example saying, that's bullying. Even, uh, even Donald right. Trump, I think the way he fires people, you know, he's, he's, a, he's a bully, you know, and, and uh, right. I, I don't care for his way he interacts with people. And he, he sends a very harsh message that behaving like that is okay. Well, I think um, just getting back to the taking things away from kids, you know, their computers, their cell phones, or this, I mean, eventually you're going to give it back. So you're really just creating a time lapse and not dealing with the issue and right. taking an action like that. So, you know, I always kind of look for the ways to, okay, keep it there and help your kid navigate it. But, you know, the, the difference is now, and that we were talking about last week, is that we live in a world where kids can be bullied 24-7 because of Internet and cell phones and right. um, and all electronic devices. So, I mean, I think we're facing a, a huge challenge in our culture. I think it's also a time where we kind of face facts and realize, like, America just in general is a bully. Um, Katie Hendricks just posted a wonderful note on her Facebook account about our culture at large and how we are set up as a bully-style system, so it should really be no surprise that our kids are mimicking our behaviors. Um, But I think that it's time, it's never too late to change, and we can look at what we're doing, at least in our immediate environment and in our families and with our children, to help get them on track. And I'm just really grateful that that you are out there doing the work that that you do directly with schools and directly with children um, to help bring them to a a lighter, happier place. And I just wanted to thank you again for for coming on, on the show 
this week. And, you know, again, I, I, I just couldn't, I didn't have the heart at all to, to stop any, to stop Kirk in his tracks because it was just such a, oh, a no, deep, okay. heavy, yeah, it was really emotional and really heavy. So I, I'm just very glad that you came back on today. Oh, and you're welcome. Feel, it was a, it was a great show last week. Yes. Thank you. And feel free to um, to stick around, and I'd love to check back with you in the future and see if, if we're actually making some progress. That'd be great. I'll keep you up to date on what I see in the schools. Exactly. I would really appreciate that. Okay. All right. Thank Thanks you so much, Mike. Okay. Take Absolutely. care. Absolutely. Thank you. Okay. So after... Last week when we covered this um, this rather extensive topic, you know, it sent me in such an emotional emotional tizzy, and I just um, my my instinct when I get into that deep dark emotional place is to kind of um, indulge in food. <laughs> you know, I'm definitely an emotional eater at times like that, and. Um, and, you know, when Melissa and I were talking while I was, like, scarfing down a brownie sundae, which is usually my, my first choice, or, or to bake a cake or to bake, you know, make cookies or something, you know, we were saying, how are we going to follow, follow this show up? And we have to lighten the mood. You know, I know it's, it's Breast Cancer Awareness Month, but I, but I just couldn't, I just couldn't go there again. It was just, it was just gets to the point where it's, like, too much. And so, um, when I'm sitting there, like, taking out, I said to Melissa, I'm like, okay, I know what we have to do. You know, it's leading up to Halloween. This is the, the month of tricks and treats. We need to focus on some treats. And I think we've been wanting to talk about this for, for a long time, and we have a, a total string of pearls on our shows about um, – about food and healthier and more conscious eating. We did, a, we did a show and blog, Summer Feast, and we also did one on Food Fight. Um, and it's, it's honestly an ongoing topic because Melissa and I are both such foodies and love it so much. Um, but when I, was, when I was thinking about and when Melissa and I were talking about, okay, how we just go to reach for the chocolate or we go and reach for the cookie or something that's, that's comforting. And many people on Facebook that this week were kind of sharing stuff that were much more savory that they go for, like um, buffalo wings and mac and cheese and really comfort foods. Um, it was like, okay, if we're going into Halloween, how can we do this in a healthier way? I know better than to just scarf my face down with anything that I, that I can find. How can I still meet and um, satisfy the craving that I have for sweetness in a healthy way. And that is when um, when I remember that one of my Facebook friends is Alexandra Zuzu, who is um, a writer, an editor, a speaker, and a green proofer. And her book, The Conscious Kitchen, um, is is a guide for people to make more conscious choices when it comes to hitting the kitchen. So I immediately thought of her and said, will you please come on and help us out of our funk next week and teach us a little bit, little bit better ways to, um, to indulge in sweets. So um, very happy that Alexandra is with us today. She does a ton of writing and is um, very prominent. One place where I found her and you can find her writings is on the Daily Green website, which is a wonderful resource for people. Her other book um, that she co-authored is A Complete Organic Pregnancy, and she also has two other books that are coming out in 2011, one with a grass-fed and organic meat butcher and the other, Planet 
at home is with co-founder of Seventh Generation, which uh, if you don't know Seventh Generation, just go to Whole Foods or any supermarket and look down the aisle of new new generation um, of cleaning products. She's worked for New York Magazine and um, the New York Observer and Women's Wear Daily, and she's been all over as a writer, and she's also a mom. So, Alexandra, are you with us? I am. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Uh, oh, thank you for, for coming on. <laughs> and and you know, I, I I would like to uh, lighten your mood and make you nice and happy. So I think we'll avoid the discussion of genetically modified sugar and go straight for um, the conscious treats. Um, <laughs> yeah. You know, it's so funny. I can't, and I, I can't take anymore. I, can't I know. Take well, I, I did. I, you know, I went. I went back this morning when I was thinking about talking to you. Um, and you know, I feel like I'm always the Scrooge on Halloween, which is which is not the position I want to be put in, and it's not the sort of example I want to be giving to to my daughter, as I want her to be able to enjoy everything, all kinds of food. So um, I went back today to read what I wrote for the Daily Green last year about Halloween, and there was this whole <laughs> thing about genetically modified beet sugar and um, some British study linking daily candy intake to a childhood, like in a, a life of crime later on. Um, so I was thinking you wanted to be cheered up. So I would um, just talk about the fact that everything you mentioned from the brownie sundae to the buffalo wings can be made um, from, you know, sort of more local, more conscious, more organic, and, and better versions. And that's really how I focus, and that's sort of how I get through Halloween. Um, I'm not saying that there isn't a little bit of trading of conventional chocolate for sort of real dark, you know, well-grown um, and fairly traded chocolate when when we get home from trick or treating. But um, that's a that's another discussion. So right. Was- well, I mean, the the main the main thing is that I mean, I just started going out and and scoping what's available as far as Halloween candy goes, and mm-hmm. it's still the same old stuff that you've been seeing for years. Yes. Um. You know, as far as all the different products, and we all know what they are. I just don't want to say it. Off, you know, say really? on air, but, I'll say them. But um, <laughs> yeah, you could say it. But I'll I'm not say saying it all. But, right. Um, <laughs> but you know, like my thing is 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 having more you know either it's either it's organic or or fair trade grown, um, more things that are readily available to the consumer. You know, if I went to my local grocery store and um, there was a bag of let's say gnosis chocolate, Gnosis Chocolate is um, one of my clients and Vanessa, who's the head of Gnosis Chocolate, um, makes everything where it's fair trade, organic, raw, and vegan. Mm-hmm. And it's delicious and it's healthy and it's, you know, you don't have the same worries about all the all the bad stuff that comes in those little cute packages that we, that we just give out for Halloween because we're supposed to give out for Halloween. Right. So... Where can we find and what's the more more healthier options or alternatives for giving out candy on Halloween? Because, you know, I'm not giving out apples. You really can't bake stuff anymore because nobody's right. going to eat it. You know, that's going to go white right in the garbage as far as safety concerns on. And, frankly, I don't want my house to be egged or... <laughs> right. Um, you know, I think part of what, what happens is that Halloween used to be a one-day thing. And now it's like a month-long thing. And so um, in my neighborhood, there, there are parties that start even this weekend. There's like a festival. So, that, so it's not just that the candy's been given out once, although I'm only giving out candy once in my building on, on Halloween. It's just that it's this month-long thing. Right. It's sort of, well, do you, feel, do you feel extra pressure? 
No, I don't feel extra pressure. I feel um, I feel annoyed. I feel like um, I'm trying really hard to uh, walk the line of everything in moderation and, and make sure that my daughter never feels like she's missing out on anything, but at the same time to continue to instill our decision and, and our lifestyle to eat sort of consciously and, and to talk about food and to be aware of what we're eating. And so even at four, my daughter's four, I, I really try and explain to her sort of what, you know, what sugar is and why it's not as good for you and, and the different kinds of sugar. I mean, I'm not really going into sort of like slave labor discussions with her about, about who is actually growing conventionally grown sugar. But, um, I, you know, I really just try and be honest with her and to give her the tools to help um, make her own decisions and to, to guide her. Because you don't ever, especially with a daughter, want to set up some sort of bad relationship with um, sugar. Right, but, or with no, food I don't, in general. I right, right, no, nothing. I don't, I don't feel pressure, but I, I just feel sort of like, when did it get so huge that that it went from, you know, and then there's the constant like, oh, come on, it's Halloween, let them. Well, it's not Halloween. It's, you know, it's only October 13th. So it just feels right. like this whole month becomes this weird thing, and I sort of want to retreat and go away. So part of what I do is I try to host a Halloween thing. And I granted, my daughter's four, so maybe it's not as cool later on for um, for the, me to be the one hosting it. But in, in my own home, I can do the apples, and apples are, you know, local, and I get them from my community-supported agriculture farm, and if I turn them into caramel apples, well, I've chosen the sugar, and that's fine with me. And then I can give out that kind of chocolate. The type of chocolate you're describing is is beautiful and excellent and delicious. It's also pretty cost-prohibitive for, for most people to hand out on Halloween. Um so right. it, the, if I have the party and then I'm sort of in control of that part of it, that that's fun, and then that's really fun for her. And then um, and then to try and limit the amount of the events that we go to. And then actually on Halloween, um, de- depending on – I mean, it sounds like you live in a, in a community where it's houses and, and then you can't hand out baked goods or apples, but – if you live in a smaller community or you live in a building where people do know you, that is still an option. Uh, and or, you know, they make organic lollipops that are dyed with uh, beet juice or carrot juice or for the colors, and they're made from um, perfectly fine sugar, and that that's a really good option. So that it's just not as big. It's a little bit less. Um, right. And, and then they do, you know, there are there are sort of some of the bigger chocolate companies do at this point have organic lines, they may not be as um, pure and um, beautiful as the sort of artisanal chocolate you were just talking about, but um, they are good options. Um, they're, I mean, every kind of weirdo candy that could possibly be made is now being made in <laughs> organic versions. There's worms, there's right. alligators, there's cherries. There, I mean, you know, even in my little local health food store, it's just kind of amazing. They don't do it in the mini packets, but... Um, Packaging is a whole other conversation that I certainly address in the conscious kitchen, and maybe maybe it's good that they're not individually um, packaged. So I just think sort of, I hope your house won't get egged if you just hand out lollipops. Um, but you know, take, take it down a notch. It doesn't have to be so big. What about handing out little pumpkins? I mean, again, for younger children, that's sort of exciting, and for older children, it's less so. But um, that, yeah, that's a cute idea. But um, I mean, here's how it here's how it started. I mean, there, there's and when I was 
thinking about this week in, in the blog Sweet Treats this week, which is the name of the show, and right. in the blog of Sweet Treats, and um, <laughs> and then the Pearl of the Week is a cornucopia of pleasure. It's just, um, you know, for me, the whole concept around October and, and going into the fall, I mean, one, it's leading up to my birthday, and I'm, I'm a big birthday freak, which I find also like, yeah, I love it. And, mm-hmm. um, and, so, you know, but also leading up to Halloween, like when everything comes out and all the decorations come out and the pumpkins come out. I mean, I turn into a kid every single year around this time, and I'm just so giddy, and um, I just get really into the spirit of it. But, you know, Halloween and candy go hand in hand. And yep. I think in our culture, like there's – and just how, how we're, we're programmed is automatic, like if you go – the same like how Halloween and candy go hand in hand. I mean, I'm Jewish, so like every single every single holiday or occasion is also tied to food, mm-hmm. um, and even more so around our culture about celebrating with with a birthday cake. Um, and you know, birthdays go hand in hand. Well, my son thinks it goes hand in hand with pizza and cake because most 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 birthday parties for kids involve right. you know, the lunch pizza. So, you know, there's like this built-in almost Pavlov's dog response that we just have as far as what our expectations are. Um, and you go out on Halloween and we try and, you know, try and collect bags and bags of candy, um, which usually just sits and rots in my house for for a year until the next Halloween. Right. Um, well, I, you know, I think yeah. it's just a message of, of – um of moderation then. I mean, I, I think it's a message of, I have, you know, we love birthday cakes. We love pizza. We, I mean, I actually make a fair amount of pizza, but we also, there's a time and a place for, you know, birthday parties and pizza. And I think it's just um, instilling sort of the knowledge at an early age of what it is that it's a special occasion and, and then, you know, and not eating just tremendous amounts of it because um, my daughter even now can recognize at four that when she does eat, as much as she wants at a birthday party, either, you know, at our house or somewhere else, she can't sleep. She knows that. I mean, the, the sugar um, affects her. The chocolate has caffeine. And um, and then she's all sad at night when she can't fall asleep. So we, we remind her of that. We talk about it. Um, and, you know, I think moderation is, is, is very important. And when the children are, are younger, I mean, it, it sounds like your kids might be a little bit older than four, um, mm-hmm. I can, no? I, my son is four and a half and my daughter okay. is two and a half. Right. So I feel like this is the phase where we can still um, do do some, I don't like the word controlled, some sort of gentle <laughs> nurturing uh, gentle about, right, about where, where <laughs> the parameters are and, and what's important. And, um, and, and, you know, that's the thing about food education. It really, like, the, the earlier you start, the the you know the more lifelong and the better it'll be the studies have shown that i mean even children if you expose them to just a you know wide 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 variety of vegetables at a younger age they're more likely to eat them later on and the, and the same goes with you know letting them in on the conversation about stuff and certainly like at our nursery school um you know there everybody has a birthday and so i feel like once a week there's a giant cupcake but we we talk about um using organic butter or using fair trade sugar or trying to, you know, make the things smaller. Like last year I actually brought in, um, there's a lovely company here in Brooklyn that just makes macaroons. It's only water, honey, coconut, 
and I think maybe a little sea salt, and that's it. And they're small, and everybody was so happy to have them. It was manageable, and that doesn't you then you don't have that whole spike where then they're not going to eat lunch or they're not, you know. I mean, it's just it's fine. These are good treats, and it's um, everyone isn't so. I don't know, hysterical around like, oh, no, no, you can't eat sugar, then then maybe it's not. Of course it tastes good. Maybe it won't be like that much of a, a big, big deal. And then the Halloween thing, I think, you know, it sounds like you get really excited about it too, and especially because you have young children. I get excited also, and I try and focus that on the crafts or the making of the costumes or the picking what we're going to be or maybe having five costumes um, and, and just try to deflect slightly away from the candy and then – you know, right. if you personally want to be eating it, you fill yourself up with the artisanal chocolate. And the um, the organic gummy bears are surprisingly good. I'm not going to lie. And, um, you know, if all of these things can be made with organic ingredients or local ingredients, um, and if they're too expensive, then you just decrease the amount of them that you're making, which is a good thing anyway. Right. I mean, okay, so here here's what happened in my house. Stay out of the candy aisle. Stay out of the candy aisle. Right. It's very tempting. Yeah, it's very tempting. And when when you're with kids, I mean, my my son's not really into candy treats. He likes his cookies, but not Mm -hmm. his candy treats. My daughter, on the other hand, and I mean, like I said, she's two and a half. She's a total chocolateaholic. And... (laughs) And when, um, you know, because I start doing my Halloween candy buying early, but this year I, I was like, okay, I want to do it a little more consciously. And I actually bought um, packets of um, pretzels that were in, like, the, the pumpkin bag, you know, uh-huh. specifically for Halloween. I'm like, okay, maybe I can give out pretzels as an alternative. So I put them out. I have, like, this really funny Halloween cauldron. Mm-hmm. Um, and my and my daughter got all excited, and this is what maybe just like really her second Halloween. You know, where does she know this from? She like went darting over to it. She pulled it out. She goes, "I want, I want, you know, open, right. open, whatever." So I open it, and when she saw it was pretzels, like you see the look on her face, like you would mm. think, like I put, I put like poop in a bag for her. Like she oh was my gosh. so not happy and gave it back. I was like, I don't like it. I want chocolate. And this is already how she's programmed. Um, Well, uh, you know, I meet meet with families all the time to talk about, um, you know, starting from like how to make baby food. I'll go and work with groups of moms together and we'll do like a big night with friends learning how to do that. And and sometimes I'll go into houses with families who are – upset that their children are only interested in chocolate or are only interested in um, chicken nuggets or uh, french fries and things like that. And and the answer, I mean, she's two and a half. She can't go to the store by herself. So it has to do with what you've brought into the home and which is why she knows, right. you know, what the chocolate is or what that cauldron is. And um, you should be happy that she's so smart that she remembered it for a full year. But I feel like um, – you know, right now you're still in charge of your family corporation and that, and you're the one that's bringing the food into the house. So if you don't want that kind of reaction or if you don't mind that kind of reaction, I actually think of dark real chocolate as almost a health food. There's plenty of studies that have shown that it has very high mm-hmm. levels of antioxidants and um, I think it does wonderful mental calming things for me as well. Um, so I would say, you know, when you would like to give her some chocolate, certainly swap in what you were talking about. Another really great thing to do with kids is you can make chocolate with just um, raw organic coconut oil and really dark, um, good cocoa powder. 
and again, honey and um, probably a little salt if you wanted it, and you just sort of mix it in double boiler all together and then let it cool and up the honey if you want it. And then that's, you know, to me that's actually almost bordering on health food and it's the most delicious thing you've ever eaten. It's certainly not uh, local, any of those ingredients minus the honey. But, um, there, you know, there are ways to sort of um, switch the nutrient content of, of the chocolate, of what you're giving, and then, and then you don't even have to think about it, and that's fine. Plus, it's a fun activity. What about um, a health, and thank you for that, what about a, um, a healthy version of a Rice Krispie Treat? Um, I have, uh, I'm, I don't actually eat very much cereal. No, I know that, why not? There's certainly brown puffed crunchy cereals at any health food store. Um, and then for the sticky part, they, um, actually this summer I did a huge amount of research to try and find an organic marshmallow because my daughter wanted s'mores, um, cause she read about them in a book. And there, there are tons of them. They sell them at, a, like you just mentioned, the Whole Foods. They sell them at, you know, any, you just sort of look around. You can make marshmallows yourself, which is also a fun activity to do with children, but it's particularly um, messy. And then, and then you go from there. That's what I'm saying. There's just sort of no ingredient that isn't also available in an organic or healthier version. And, and the other thing is, you know, if you would like to eat a Rice Krispie Treat, then eat a Rice Krispie Treat. You know what I mean? It, it's all about maybe not eating them every day or maybe not always having them as the treat. But um, certainly... If it's something that you want, then you should be eating it in moderation. Right. Um, but Mod- I have found, I mean, I've really found that there's almost no ingredient. Like I was making, I never do that, but my daughter also read something or somebody was talking about lasagna, and she asked me to make lasagna last week. And I went, I don't think I've ever made lasagna because it's not my kind of food, but I went into the health food store and I found whole wheat lasagna, and I just did this whole huge thing, and now I'll probably make it all the time. She helped me. It was great, and it was delicious. So, right. because I found the, you know, local ricotta, and I found, I mean, it was just, it was fine. Right. Now, I love it when my kids get involved in the food process, and they come yeah. up with ideas of things that they want, you know, for me. I mean, and when they, it's like kind of, your wish is my command when they ask me that kind of stuff. To, oh, absolutely. To I'm like a, you know, anything she yeah. wants me to make in the kitchen i will if she is willing to help me especially i'm i'm very excited to have her in there and again it's in the touching and the feeling and the smelling and the getting your hands in it that you really learn so much about your food and i take her obviously she's she you know she's my kid it's her a lot in life but we go all the time to we live in new york city but we go all the time to farms and she knows exactly where you know she's even met some of the animals that she's later eaten i mean you know the poor kid <laughs> but uh that's what i do with her Anything she yeah, wants to make. That, I think that's I think that's awesome because um, um, and we have talked about this also a little bit as far as um, you know there's such a disconnect now between us and where our food comes from. Mm-hmm. Disconnected from the process. Like my kids, you know, if they want they, if they want something and they run out of something, it's like okay, we have to go to the store and get it. And then it has to have another explanation about well, how do things get to the store? And then how do things get, you know, from the truck? Right. And where, where, is, where is really our stuff coming from? And you taking your daughter you know, directly to the farms where they're making these foods and growing these foods. Um, and that's why I love the whole concept of having vegetable gardens with your kids. Right. I, I have an herb garden with, with my kids that um, my gardener pulled out. But anyway. Right. Um, I, I think that this, the thing is to try and, and a lot of the times you see in children's books, 
everything is about farms and farmers and right. moo moo and here's right. a piggy that goes oink and then and then it just gets lost. It just gets lost in sort of our modern lifestyle. It's really strange that all the books are still about farm animals, don't you think? And then, right, exactly. And then the sort of then, keeping the system of uh, keeping the sort of systems of agriculture and how food is grown and what we eat and even what like stuff is in the store. Where does that cauldron that you're keeping the candy in come from? How does stuff get to sort of the, the systems of of life um, get hidden? very, very quickly because it's sort of a, it's not modern to think about all of that, but um, children and their curiosity to know, like, where does the truck come from and how does it bring the stuff in? Um, it's such an amazing moment where their minds are so open and they're so curious. And the question for me that I've been thinking a lot now is almost how to keep that beyond the nursery school years and how to keep um, right. teaching kids about the system so they'll continuously be aware and continuously be concerned. Because, like, Right now in school, we're doing a corn curriculum at my daughter's nursery school, and they asked somebody, they were like, oh, is anyone going to be in the country this weekend? And somebody brought in an entire corn stalk. So it has the ear, it has the leaves, it has the, um, the oh, I forgot the name of it. Anyway, the top part that looks like wheat, the male part of the plant. And then we're, you know, grinding feeds in corn. We're really doing the whole system of corn, and I am curious I mean, I don't really know how to teach it again to people that young, but I'm I'm curious about explaining that then corn goes into there's nothing that corn isn't in. I mean, we're talking about Halloween candy, corn syrup. I mean, it's just so pervasive, and that's where the genetic modification concept and discussion comes in. And I just um, it's probably way above and beyond. But I wonder at what point do you why stop teaching corn curriculum for four year olds? Why not keep it? six, seven, eight, nine, whatever, and when you could bring in those discussions and really teach children about um, what's happened because our population is so uh, enormous and we need to be feeding people and um, sort of what went wrong and how they can make it better because it's really going to be up to them. And it's amazing to go from a piece of chocolate to this kind of discussion, but it's, it's so inextricably linked. And it's not that I don't want Halloween to be fun, and I love Halloween and I still dress up myself and I'm 36, but... Um, Somehow, everything is a teachable moment, even if we're having fun. And that's um, so. That's what I'm sort of trying to do. Are you there? I find sometimes that um, people get really defensive. That um, that they feel like I'm not allowing them to sort of have fun on Halloween, but that's that's not at all what the point is. The the point is just sort of to to teach within the fun and to have fun while you're teaching and to to make everything even you know dunking for apples or sticking your fingers in noodles and wondering if it's brain or peeled grapes for eyeballs in a haunted house in your living room. That um, sort of where those all of those things came from. Um, and, and yeah, I mean, you, you brought you brought up a, a, just a ton of great points. I just want to take a, a moment to highlight a couple of them. And um, one of them was you know, just keeping your kids involved and engaged in the conversation about food and keeping them conscious and aware of it, um, and not that it's just something that you have to do four times a day or three times a day, and you have to eat this and you have to eat that. 
but that it is an open, natural process for them to want to experiment with different foods, try different foods, make different foods. I mean, having my kids in the kitchen is just so fun. My son, though, is still still really picky, even if he makes it. Mm-hmm. Um, but, you know, and I think bringing them in on the conversation, even of the, the different alternatives that you have, as far as um, farming and why corn isn't everything because it's so cheap and it's like America's crop or whatever. Um, because, like you said, they are going to be the ones to change it in the future and they might have the best ideas in how to do that. The other thing was to get your kids out in the field, and I think during during the fall one of the other you – know, my other favorite activities to do with my kids is to go apple picking, mm-hmm. is to go to an or is to go directly to an orchard, and you know have fresh pressed apple cider and pick their pick our pumpkins directly and then take them home and either carve jack jack lanterns or draw on them. And Casey already knows that she wants to do hers in pink and purple, mm-hmm. um, and um, but also to to then cut inside, and I was trying to explain to my son how we're going to eat the meat of the pumpkin, and he was, like, looking, he was like, well, how are we going to get to it, and already, like, talking to him about carving it, not just going and reaching for a can of um, right. of pumpkin, um, and one of my things, my, my favorite sweet treat to make in the fall is an apple pumpkin pie, mm-hmm. um, so... Oh, it's so good. I'll, I'll, I'll think. I'll think. Actually, pumpkin pie is. I mean, especially. I mean, I actually, as we're speaking, I have a giant pot of many different uh, squashes together in the um, soup that I'm making for the school potluck tonight. But the um, one of the things about pumpkin that I love in pumpkin pie is that it's, it doesn't really have that much sugar in it at all, and the kids are eating a whole squash. So. Well, it's like naturally like rich and sweet and just and delicious thick. and like yep. you know and and I do want to talk about sugar a, a little bit more because one of the one of the alternatives that I like to using sugar is cinnamon and um, nutmeg and you still kind of get like the sweetness mm-hmm. um, but you know that's the thing with pumpkin you just add a little bit of nutmeg or um, cinnamon and it's just ugh, I just love it and it's pumpkin itself is so healthy for you and um you know, like I can't, I just, I can't wait to butcher my my pumpkin so my kids. <laughs> right, I mean, it's funny, but like you know? even even back in, I mean, my my mother was sort of fed me the way I'm, the, what became my work right now. But she was not really aware that that's what she was doing. But even then, you know, we would carve the pumpkin, we would take the seeds, we would use the seeds. But I feel like back then we didn't use the the meat of the pumpkin, and now I like that the right. whole thing gets used. And if the kids know that they came on a vine and it looks a little bit like a summer squash and what's the difference and where's the flower and why is that important and even on the apple farms like in the orchards that we've been going to lately to sort of discuss a little bit about bugs and spraying and pests and you know if a worm eats the apple what does that mean and you know I mean it's actually very hard to have a completely organic orchard here in this part of the country because of the climate and the humidity but just even starting that discussion at that age with kids like is there a ladybug what does a ladybug do is there are different plants um, planted here to, that would protect against something that would want to eat the apple and just talking about different ways of dealing with pest management. And it sounds like it's all too conceptual and huge for a kid to understand, but, again, that is exactly the age where they're so curious and they still like to touch bugs and they want to know about bugs. And it's just this really um, organic, sorry to use that word, way of, of letting kids know all the different sort of stops along the system of, of what's going on right now with our food system, which is really um, 
obviously problematic and people are trying to fix all over the place from exactly those kind of sprays to school lunch to, um, and again, this is, again, we're just talking about Halloween. It's a fun holiday, but this is just, all these different conversations can come up around that. And it's not that you're not going to have the chocolate and it's not that you're not going to have the costumes and the fun, but this is a great time to talk about these things. Right. And it's a, it's a great time to reattach meaning to what we're doing. Right. Um, that was like the, the core thing when I was, when I was just going for the blog. It's like we're so on automatic with these things that we forgot what its meaning is of what we're doing. Of when we have celebrations and we do certain rich, you know, rituals, right. lighting a candle is a ritual, baking a cake for it is a ritual. You know, why are we doing these things? You know, so everybody can stand around and sing happy birthday. Like, what is that? Um, no, the autopilot happens. Autopilot happens. I mean, it, we're so busy. You know, it's. I'm working. I'm taking care of her. I'm doing this. I'm trying to have her in the kitchen. Right. It's. I'm exhausted. But it's so. And that's the whole point. Like to remind yourself to be in the moment, to be present, to realize what the. You know. So maybe it's more important to sit there and bake with her than to make sure that I filled the goodie bags with more odd little plastic things um, of unknown right. origin. Like just to sort of take back to make things a little bit smaller, a little bit slower, a little bit more. Um, and, yes, the children obviously love the balloons and love the fanfare, but also they really love being in the kitchen with their mom or their dad or their grandmother. or their. I mean, it's just so the time spent is so important. Um, and, and if you're having the Halloween party, you know, at home with yourself, letting them do the decorations or letting – I mean, it's just – it's not modern sort of to think about it this way, but it's just they almost will remember that, especially at this young age, more than – I hope more than – if I just let her, you know, plop down in the pile of tipsy rolls and go right. at it. Well, I think, yeah, you hit the nail on the head as far as the time spent with your children and the, the connecting and bonding with them is really the sweetest treat of them all. Yeah. And no amount of sweet or candy or chocolate, whether it is organic fair trade like Gnosis or if it's, you know, hot off off the, you know, the supermarket aisle and extremely processed is going to be a substitute for that moment with your children. Um, and, you know, I feel fortunate enough to be conscious of that and aware yeah. of that. Um, I often, I often not forget about it, but, you know, you don't it's have time for that right now. Yeah, you don't have time for that right now, but when I do get into that moment with my kids, like this past weekend we were at a fall fair, mm-hmm. and I was just watching them, and the sun was just, you know, it was a gorgeous day like today, and they just started, you know, talking to each other, laughing, holding hands, mm-hmm. you know, and I was just like sat back, and I was like, this, this is the sweetest treat of them all. Like, life doesn't get better than this. Obviously, you know, chocolate chip cookies and brownies and all that kind of fun stuff. I, I if you haven't noticed, I have an insanely... Switch cookie. your ingredients. I make it, like, you know, yeah. two times less often. It's not... It's really... You make it two times less often. Right. Switch, switch your that's ingredients good. or make smaller ones or... I mean, it's not a big deal. Life is too short to not be eating the things that you want to be eating. It's right. just... Exactly. It's just that, you know, in moderation, better ingredients and, and make sure that, you know that you're bringing into your home what you mean to be bringing into your home. With the Conscious Kitchen, a lot of what I talk about, people want to know where to start first. I tell people before they do anything to open their own cabinets and see what they brought home. Did they mean to bring it home? Nobody else brought it in but you. So, you know, 
and then and then take stock of what you want to be doing. And if you want to be eating brownies, there's plenty of ways to do it that are completely, you know, conscious and and are fine. I love butter. I think butter is great. Mmm, butter. You know, <laughs> I love butter. I, I love it. I, I'm such a foodie. I mean, I just love it. Um, but I would, and I would love to like cook with you one day. I think that would be just so much fun. Let's do it. So much fun to do with it. We'll have a cooking play date with the kids. Um, but yeah, but I think you, you're just hitting all the right points. And I just love the fact that you focus not only on food, but of a more holistic perspective of doing green proofing and having consulting services available and like I said in the beginning um, a lot of your articles which I, which I've been reading all this week can be found through the through the daily greens so you want to just tell us a little bit more yeah, about you can also um, find you can, yeah you can find them also at alexandrazissu.com it's z-i-s-s-u and again I have the um, complete organic pregnancy was my first book the conscious kitchen was the second book that came out this past March um, and in December actually I have a book called planet home coming out with seventh generation um, and then next Bring my, I'm writing a book with my butcher. It's called The Butcher's Guide to Well-Raised Meat, and that will be out in May 2011. I love that. And, and I'm glad that you also you know, mentioned quickly, again, your book about organic guides to pregnancy because, mm. you know, when, when I was pregnant, it was really the first time in a long time where I had to take stock of what it was I was eating um, and what my 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 cravings were versus what my baby wanted me to mm-hmm. eat versus what everybody was telling me that I could or could not eat. Um, and it was really, I mean, I've always been conscious about food, but that was the first time where, you know, where I realized what I, what I eat really does matter. Yeah. Not just to me, but for another life. And Absolutely. that carries... Yeah, and that carries with us into our families now as parents. It's the same. It's the same concept. What are you putting directly, bringing into your home, and, and bringing, and putting into your kids' bodies? Um, no, it's it really. So, I mean, that the pregnancy is the ultimate system. You are a system. So it was right. sort of an amazing period of time. And that book also. I mean, it does focus on food, but it focuses. Um, that book came about because one of my closest friends asked me what I was going to do during my pregnancy that would be as organic as the food I ate. And I didn't know the answer to that question, and we ended up writing that book together. We went through all of the rooms of the house and sort of other ways to make sure that your, um, that, that your life was, you know, safe through the paint in the nursery and the nail polish and cleaning products and cosmetics, and we sort of went through the whole, the whole gamut. Yeah, you can you can really fall down the rabbit hole once once you start down it. And um, there is a film, a documentary film out that's called My Toxic Baby. Mm-hmm. That's that great. is about that. Have you seen that? Yes. Yeah. yeah. There was okay. a. So, I was actually on a panel talk about it um, last year, right around now, right around this time. Yeah. Yeah, when it was coming. So. Um, you know, you can really go make yourself crazy, but it's really something, if you do choose to take a look in, um, you, you can educate yourself about the world that we're bringing into into and exposing your children to, and it, mm-hmm. and it could definitely be scary. But, it is, you um, know, but I, I think of it as actually it will be rather than, Okay, yeah. no, I think it's very empowering, not scary, very empowering. There's a lot, yeah, a lot, exactly. a lot of mitigating and avoiding you can do, and, and will lead for, you know, better health for you, better health for the kids, better health for the planet they inherited. And food is exactly. a huge part of it, but there's a lot else going on. Food is a huge part of it because it's what you're, and I said this, you know, a million times already, but it's, it's what, 
directly going into your body. It's, you know, aside from sex, it's the most intimate relationship that you can have is with your food. <laughs> um, so, yeah, so so with that, let's, let's close out the substance portion, and I love that you're you're right in line with the girl that I quote this week in the blog, which is from Irma Bombeck, and she says, seize the moment. Remember all those women on the Titanic who waved off the surf part. So, um, yeah, so like Alexandra was saying, nothing is really off limits, but there are ways to to make your sweet treats even sweeter by making them healthier, which is doing good for your body and good for the earth. So, um, so Alexandra, now that we've had our fun and indulgences, I would like to know on my Come Tell Mama questions, what is your luxury indulgence? Sleep. <laughs> Um, you mean food? Anything. Anything. I would would say that uh, sleep is an indulgence, although I'm not getting enough of it right now. Sleep, really sleep, sleep, and um, not getting out of bed any morning, not even stepping one toe to the floor without being handed um, a cappuccino. (laughs) I'm not kidding. You're funny. It's true. A a cappuccino in bed, and it, it really, that, the sleep may not happen, but the cappuccino in bed really happens every morning and it is my true indulgence and I'm eternally grateful for it. That is lovely. Yes. It's very it's simple but it's lovely and it's very and I can't wait until we can train the kid to do it so he can have one too. <laughs> <laughs> okay, so basically this yes. is all a cover so you can teach your daughter how to make make cappuccino and navigate yes. the machine. Got exactly. It. <laughs> Almost there. Almost <laughs> there. Okay, so out of the following which would you choose? the best sex of your life, the best meal of your life, or the best sleep of your life? Why can't I have all three? Everybody asks that, but if you have to pick one, my dear, which one would you pick? Um, I don't know. I feel like I'm doing pretty good in all three departments minus the sleep, so I guess I could sleep for now. Sleep? (laughs) Now, only in this phase of life. Everything else is great. Sleep. I, wow. You know, I cook. I cook for a living, you know. It's great. The food is great. I don't need to discuss my sex life right now, but all's great. And, uh, yeah, I think I would love some sleep because it would make everything else better even. I couldn't agree with you more. Yes. You know, sleep, sleeping from, like, a brownie Sunday coma sounds really good to right. me. I just don't think you can ask the mother of a young child to choose anything but sleep. Yeah. yeah. I couldn't agree more. Yes. Some, some weirdos want more sex, and I'm all for the sleep. Um, um, all right. Yeah. <laughs> there's, there's plenty of that. I'm always awake, so why not? But <laughs> What is your favorite movie genre? Oh, God. I don't have any time to watch movies. Um, I guess uh, right really? this very point in time, the only thing I watch is food documentaries. I would like to watch a comedy. Comedy. All I'm watching right now is, um, you know, environmental documentaries, which are fabulous, but I would like, it would would be, I need to have a laugh. Lighten up. Yeah, you need to lighten up. When it comes to food, do you have a preference for sweet or salty? Um, I like caramel with sea salt in it. Mm. So um, I probably eat much more salty than I eat sweet. I would say salty. And what do you consider your most beautiful feature? 
These are tough. My God, my sex life to this. Um, my drive. <laughs> Currently, my drive. Okay, so not like how you drive behind the wheel, but how no, you drive. No, I actually don't. I, as a, I really cannot drive behind the wheel. I mean, my current drive to change the world for our children. Love it. And what is the best advice that your mama gave to you? Eat your vegetables. <laughs> That's awesome. Do you have a favorite recipe? I don't follow recipes. I sat in the kitchen and watched my mother cook, and I, I literally get angry at recipes because they call for too many far-flung ingredients. Like, I don't have a lemon tree anywhere near me, so um, my recipes are – I don't – I get what the farm grows and gives to me, and I go into the kitchen, and I just – make it. So I think my favorite recipe is figuring out what to do with the new vegetable that comes my way that I've never made before. Okay. If it's, you know, if it's growing, I will cook it. If it's growing and it's alive, I will cook well, it. Well, you know, I mean, it's it. literally what my farmer, if my farmer thought to grow it and sends it to me and I've never done it before, I will figure out how to make it taste good because that's what she grew. that. Well, and that's all about overcoming your fear in the kitchen too. I think a lot of right. a lot of moms, in particular, have Absolutely. like a fear of what they're going to do to their food, and it's just knowing that if there's it's nothing edible, you can find a way. Yeah, you can right. find I a mean, way to make it work. Right. I I really feel um, a conscious kitchen that you have to cook in order to maintain a conscious kitchen, and I feel um, very strongly that there's nothing fancy that needs to happen. I've never been trained at all. I can, like I said, I can hardly follow a recipe, and I probably prefer savory because baking is so exact, which I don't like to have to be. So I feel like, you know, olive oil, garlic, and whatever, it can't go wrong. Yeah, olive oil, garlic, and a little onion. Whatever, you, just, you can't, right, you just can't go wrong. The vegetable and that will turn out good. That's awesome. Okay, so again, can you just... Can you just give everybody your contact information? Yes, uh, alexandrazissu.com, A-L-E-X-A-N-D-R-A-Z-I-S-S-U.com, and that will link you to everything else you might need to know about me. Uh, you can follow me on Twitter, same thing, and you can go to my Facebook fan page, same thing, Alexandra Zissu. So right. that's where I am. And you also have a page for Conscious Kitchen. I do. You know, I'm not updating that because I have the the next couple books coming out. So the it, the Alexandra's Issue fan page is the one that I'm updating. I, there are pages for Organic Pregnancy and for Conscious Kitchen, but I, it's not sustainable for me to update um, that many pages. Okay. Yeah, I understand that. Yeah. <laughs> I don't. I don't know how to delete delete things, but I'm I'm working on it. I need to get more um, technologically savvy. Tech savvy. Yes. Okay, I, I might be able to send people your way to, to help you with I'll that. I'll cook for them. Um, <laughs> cook for them. Mm -hmm. I will work for food. Mm -hmm. Yes, I will. <laughs> Especially light, light, delicious indulgences that can take your sweet treats into an even sweeter, lighter zone. So, mm -hmm. Alexandra, thank you so much. I look forward to, to talking to you um, about your new books and also coming on again when we do dive deeper okay. into greenproofing your home. Great. Thank you so much, Alexandra, and have Thanks. a beautiful day. You too. Bye. So that is what we have in store for you today. Um, again, we needed to 
take it from from the bully world and the intimidation world into the lighter, sweeter world of um, of indulgences and your senses. And um, thank you so much to Mike for coming on again and giving us all a little glimmer of hope that there is work being done that addresses the the core of creating heroes in us in us all. Thank you to Alexandra for coming on and showing us um, showing us a, a better a better more conscious way to celebrate this Halloween season and my birthday and and um, the rest of this this month on Mama's Pearls we are going to be celebrating next week we are going to go full scale into party mode and have the gals behind the party blueprints book and website on with us, Dawn and Elizabeth. I can't wait for that. And then to close out October, I invite you all to call into the show or email me with sayings from famous parents in history. More tricks and treats are in store for you guys. So have a wonderful week. I want to go back to my day job now. Melissa should be back with us next week. Again, if you want to listen to any of the past archive shows on Mama's Pearls, please go to www.blogtalkradio.com slash Mama's Pearls. You can find the Mama's Pearls and M's blog and more about Melissa and I and our little family brands here at www.mamaspearls.com. You can email us at any time. I'm at Cynthia at MamasPearls.com or Melissa at MamasPearls.com. You can follow us at CynTweet, C-Y-N-T-W-E-E-T. And this is Cynthia of Mamas Pearls reminding you to enjoy your children and your family. Say I love you. And remember that the sweetest treats are alive and well and waiting for you to have them and indulge in every waking moment. Enjoy your week, guys. Ryan here, and I have a question for you. What do you do when you win? Like, are you a fist pumper, a woohooer, a hand clapper, a high fiver? I kind of like the high five, but if you want to hone in on those winning moves, check out Chumba Casino. At chumbacasino.com, choose from hundreds of social casino style games for your chance to redeem serious cash prizes. There are new game releases weekly, plus free daily bonuses. So don't wait. Start having the most fun ever at chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. DTW, void, we're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions 18 plus.